0: Gospel of St. Luke, Luke chapter 4, as we continue our sermon series entitled Good News. I began last week by telling you about the God of the good news. We talked about the great truth that God is good. And what a mighty uh, God we have and he is so good to us. But this morning, We continue that message as we read out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and verse 14. We're going to continue down a few verses there. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it here on the screen for you in just a minute, uh, or you can find it on your digital device there. It reads, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding districts, And he began teaching in their synagogues, and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, we honor you and we praise you this morning as we celebrate this Passion Week. We're so grateful for the offering and the sacrifice of your son for our sins. This morning, as we discuss the good news which you have for man, I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and I ask as well that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word of God with gladness of heart. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I want to speak today about the message of the good news. We have a good God who has sent us a good message, a message that is hope for the world. It is, in fact, the only message that truly matters in our day, and the Bible calls it good news. It calls it good news because it is a message that is life-giving. In a world that is filled with trouble and fear and doubt and, and, uh, and death even, there is a message of hope for our life, and this morning there's a message of hope for your life. No matter what you're going through this morning, if you've heard a lot of bad news this week or this month or this year, I want to tell you there's good news in Jesus. There's good news in Christ. The Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And You will recall perhaps the day before you knew Christ how maybe you thought about the preachers you saw on television or you thought about the messages you heard at funerals and you thought it's foolishness. But that's really the way the world thinks about the message of the gospel. It calls it foolishness. And the Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power and the wisdom of God. And all of us have discovered that, haven't we? That God's word, God's message is not only power, but it is also wisdom. That God's word is power because it is able to save you. It is able to heal you. It is able to deliver you, but it is also wisdom. It is able to, uh, in, 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 to teach you the way toward God. It is the wisest of all the messages of the world. For in it all of the justice of God and all of the holiness of God and all of the righteousness of God is met along with all of his mercy and all of his love and all of his compassion for man. So we read this morning about Jesus. He comes to Nazareth, the city where he had grown up. He was a hometown boy in Nazareth. He had grown up there, went to school there. He was a carpenter's son there and so no doubt the people knew him as Joseph's son. And he came to the village where he was, uh, where he was brought up, and he was about to begin. And was in the beginning moments of his ministry to the world. When he came to Nazareth, the Bible said that news about him began to spread because he was doing wonderful works. He was doing miracles. The news about him, the the rumors about him began to swirl and they began to spread all over the world. And I'll tell you, friend, even 2,000 years later, the rumors of Jesus and the, the, the fame of Jesus is still spreading throughout the world. The good news of Jesus is still coming into people's homes and still coming into people's hearts. And it's still bringing peace troubled places, it's still bringing hope to hopeless situations, it is still bringing life to the dead. And this morning, the good news of Christ is available to all who receive it by faith. Now, Jesus went into the synagogue, I want you to notice this, the Bible said that he went to the synagogue as was his custom every Sabbath. That meant that Jesus went to church every week. That's a good custom to have. Say amen, somebody. I figure if Jesus went to church, I should go to church too. Jesus went to the Sabbath and they handed him the scroll so that he might read from the books of the Old Testament, which is our Old Testament. And he opened the scroll and began to read from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, several hundred years before, a prophet had written words concerning the Messiah. He had written words concerning Jesus. And so they hand Jesus the scroll of Isaiah and he opens it up and he begins to read the words that are about him. And these are the words that he read that morning. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And there began Jesus to deliver this message that you and I need to be well aware of this morning. This message of the gospel, Jesus said, is anointed by the Spirit of God. I have been preaching since I was seven years old. This year, I will have been preaching 30 years. And you know that I have discovered that there is only one message that God will anoint. There is only one message which the Holy Spirit will anoint. The Holy Spirit does not anoint philosophy. The Holy Spirit does not anoint psychology. The Holy Spirit does not anoint Isaac's ideas. The Holy Spirit only anoints the gospel of Jesus Christ. He only anoints the message of the word of God. That is the only message that the Holy Spirit will anoint. It fascinates me to think that Jesus, as he read this, here is the author of the scripture reading the very things written concerning him. And he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. You know, church, I think this way. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you and I need the Holy Spirit all the more. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Spirit of God, how much more you and I? We need the touch of heaven on our life. We need the oil of the Spirit on our life. Our life is always going to be fraught with difficulties and challenges from from here to heaven there's going to be obstacles valleys and mountains that you and i have to climb we're going to need the anointing of the holy spirit this coming week you might face challenges And you might wonder how you're going to break through them. I'll tell you, there is a power that comes from above. It is the power of the Spirit of God upon regular, ordinary, everyday men and women who dare to believe God and take him at his word. And when you walk in the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that anointing breaks yokes. That anointing brings freedom. That anointing brings deliverance. That anointing which was on Jesus is also upon every believer in this room this morning, someone ought to say amen. And so this ought to be our prayer. Holy Spirit, anoint me. Holy Spirit, fall on me. We need the Holy Spirit. Church, I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. The church in America needs the Holy Spirit. We need the anointing of the Spirit of God. We need His touch upon our life. Otherwise, our life is dry and our life Is powerless. God sent His Son to the world, and His Son sent the church into the world. But He didn't send the church alone, He sent it with the power of the Holy Spirit. He sent it with a message that's been anointed by Almighty God. That's why whenever you open your mouth to tell somebody about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there to anoint that message. Whether you're sharing Jesus over coffee or whether you're sharing Jesus from a pulpit, wherever it is that you begin to share Jesus, the Holy Spirit is right there. Now, when you open your mouth to to gossip about something, the Holy Spirit don't have any part in that. If you open your mouth to tell them about how great your gym is, the Holy Spirit don't have any part in that. But when you talk about Jesus, the Spirit of God is on the message of the gospel to make that message powerful and effective in that life. Can you remember the day that the gospel came to your heart? When the message that God has anointed came into your heart and it, it set you free. It opened your mind and it opened your heart to understand the purpose of God on your life. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And this is the first thing I want you to know about the good news is that it is a message for the poor. Now the Bible here is not necessarily talking about the financially poor. It's really talking about spiritual poverty. You see, it's possible to have a lot of money and be spiritually poor. And it's possible to be spiritually uh, rich and not have a lot of money. You see, money doesn't make happiness. Money cannot secure your peace with God. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that. And so the gospel comes to those who are poor. Here's the reality. Every single one of us was born separated from God because of sin. And our sin means that we are in spiritual poverty. We are far from God, separated from his hope. And unless we come to Christ, we'll die that way. And friend, if you die without Christ, you have only the expectation of judgment in a place the Bible calls hell. And that is the result of any life that lives without God. But for those of us who have received Christ as our Savior... We understand what the Bible tells us, that although we were poor, although we were in spiritual poverty, we couldn't couldn't please God. We couldn't buy our salvation. But Jesus, the Bible says, being rich became poor, so that you and I being poor might become rich. So that out of our spiritual poverty, we might receive the grace and the abundance of the inheritance that God has for the saints. I have a, a, a friend of our family who uh, lives in San Antonio. He said to me once, he said, Isaac, I live in this big house and I have these, these nice cars and people drive by and they assume that everything in this house is great and that everything in this house is good. They assume that we have peace and that we have happiness. But they don't know the hell that I live with in this house. They don't know the, the bitterness that I live with in this house. And he was proving my point this morning. That you can have a lot of things. But until you have Jesus, you don't have anything at all. Until you have Jesus, you are poor. But friend, when you have Jesus, you have everything. I said when you have Jesus, you have everything. He is the treasure of heaven. And he wants you, to know him, he's come to preach good news to the poor. I recall the story of, of, a, of a man who was uh, telling a, a story about when he was a young man. He said he was at a, a youth camp in, um, in, a, in a forest somewhere. And, and the, the camp was about a week or two weeks long. He said that there was a boy in that camp who had cerebral palsy. And so this disability created a, a, a speech pattern that was different and he walked different and he was he was uh, afflicted by this sickness and the, the man telling the story says that he was the kind of the kind of kid that liked to pick on people and so when he saw the boy with cerebral palsy he saw a good target and that whole week he, he made fun of him and bullied him and he carried on for the entire length of the camp finally he said the last day We're all getting ready to get on the buses to go home. He said, I saw that boy running down the sidewalk screaming, saying, good news, good news. And he said, I prepared myself so that when he ran up to where the buses were, I could uh, make a joke and everybody would laugh and everybody go home and think how funny I was at the expense of this boy. He said, but uh, as that boy came running down the sidewalk, he was shouting, good news, good news. And finally when he came to the crowd of boys around those buses, he said, good news, Jesus loves me. And he said, I couldn't get the joke out, I couldn't get the insult out because he had been arrested by the fact that Jesus loved him. Can I tell you this morning, good news, good news for Beeville. good news for America. God loves you and God has hope and has life for those who will believe. You can be simple, and you can be uh, great, or you can be wise, or you can be foolish. doesn't matter. What matters is that you receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said something else. He said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim release to captives. He has sent me to deliver those who are incarcerated, who are in the bondage of sin. Friend, can I tell you that you and I without God are bound. The Bible said that we are slaves to sin. A slave does what his master requires. You and I without God are slaves to sin. We do what sin requires. That's why you don't want to smoke, but you keep smoking. That's why you don't want to drink, but you keep drinking. That's why you don't want to lose your temper. But you keep losing your temper because you're a slave to sin. But can I tell you this morning, there is a God who sets slaves free. There is a God who has purchased you with the ransom price of the cross. And he sets the sinner free. He sets you free from the chains of bondage and of affliction. And if you'll come to Christ, he'll make you free. Jesus said this, he said, whom the Son makes free, whom the Son makes free will be free indeed, not free in part, not free maybe, but free indeed. Is there anybody in here whose Jesus has made you free? Come on, say amen if Jesus has made you free. In In the Second World War, there was a troop of American soldiers who were taken captive by the Japanese on the Philippine Islands. They were incarcerated in a prisoner of war camp. And while they were there, the Japanese treated them with such cruelty, they denied them their rations of food. The uh, pantries were stuffed full of food. And yet these men, American GIs, were dying of hunger because of the the, uh, affliction they had been subjected to. And a captain went up to his chief, an American captain, went up and he said, sir, I would like to lead a team to go and rescue our men out of that camp. And he was told, well, he said, look, there's no real strategic advantage for us going and risking the lives of our men to go to that camp. The war is almost over. The Japanese are going uh, to surrender any time now. It's best we just leave them there for now because there's no real advantage to going to rescue them. but This captain insisted. He said, no, I have to go. I, we can't leave our men there. And so they gave him a, a handful of men to go and carry out this mission. And history tells us that they came onto the side of that camp. And, uh, and by the time that they had arrived, the Japanese had already departed, leaving our men to die in those terrible conditions. They came into that prison opening up the gates, and they found the emaciated bodies of our soldiers who didn't have yet the strength to get up and walk out. And they had to be carried out by the strength of soldiers who were carrying them in their arms to safety. And that paints a good picture for us of what Satan does to the lives of captives. That's what Satan wants to do to your life. You might think, no, Satan and I are buddies. We get along good. I play his games, he plays mine. No, friend, the devil plays for keeps. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will treat you just as those men were treated. He will starve you. He wants to starve you of the word. He wants to starve you of the love of God. He wants to starve you of hope. He wants you to lose all hope and to lose your life for eternity. There was a captain 2,000 years ago who said there may not be any real strategic advantage, but I will go to that cross. I will die on that cross for their sins, and I will rescue them. And this morning, Jesus Christ, the captain of your soul, has made full and total freedom available to all those who will believe. Somebody shout hallelujah for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can I tell you, there are some of you who have been saved, And the doors of the prison have been opened, but you have not walked out of that prison yet. You're still sitting in that bondage. Today, Jesus says, I want to carry you out. I want to make you free. For whom the Son makes free shall be free, truly free, free indeed, free completely to the glory of God. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you don't have to remain a captive to addiction. You don't have to remain a captive to your past. You don't have to remain a captive to the abuse of your abusers. You can be made new and made free because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of the hope that Jesus Christ has given to us today. The scripture also says that he came to mend the broken hearted. When Jesus read these words, he is literally laying out the agenda of the kingdom of God. And he says, this is good news, not only for captives, but it's good news for the brokenhearted. Friend, perhaps this morning you've come into this house with a broken heart. You've come into this house with your heart broken because of the loss of a loved one. Or your heart broken because of the failures of your past. Maybe you have lost a marriage that you thought would end, would never end. Maybe you have lost a job you thought would be your security forever. Perhaps you think that God doesn't love you and that God doesn't care. Can I tell you, friend, that if you bring your broken heart to God, that Jesus is the mender of broken hearts, that Jesus is the healer of the broken heart, and that He can do that for you, just as He' done for countless people in this room? The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that Jesus came to a little Samaritan village called Sychar. In that village there was a woman. This woman had a broken heart. This woman had had five husbands. Now we're not here to judge her this morning. But we can just imagine from thinking about that story, five husbands must mean that she tried five times to find happiness. Five times she tried to marry a man that would solve the issues of her life. And five times she failed. And now she was living with a man that she was not married to. And she was bound and she was tormented by this broken heart. That day, the, the Bible said Jesus came to her village. And he sat at the well of, called a Jacob's Well. And as this woman came out, the Bible says she came out around noon. She came out at noon because in the morning... When it was cooler is when all the ladies would come out to draw water. She didn't want to hear from any of the ladies. She must have known that if she went out during the time that all the other women were there, that she would hear whispers. She would hear say somebody saying, that's the woman that took my husband. She would hear all of the gossip. She would hear about all of her broken past. And so she'd rather go during the middle of the day. At noon, when no one would talk to her, when no one would know she was there, She could be alone with her broken heart. To her surprise that morning or that afternoon as she came out to Jacob's well to draw water, she discovered there was a man there. Now the last thing in the world she wanted to do was talk to anybody, let alone a man. And she thought, well, this man's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We are different races. We don't get along. We don't talk. We don't communicate. Maybe he'll just leave me alone. And while she was drawing water, this man said to her, woman, Give me something to drink. And she said, sir, you didn't bring anything to draw water with. And you're, and this well is very deep. She answered out of the bitterness of her heart. She answered out of the brokenness of her heart. Jesus said to her, woman, if you knew the gift of God... If she knew the good news, he said, you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. That kind of water that if you drink it, you will never thirst again. Jesus was talking about the water that you and I can drink. The water of the Spirit. friend as Jesus began to dialogue with her as he began to minister to her her heart began to be changed her life began to be turned around in a few moments with Jesus in a few moments at the feet of the of Christ she was able to have a broken heart made new again and when she went back into that village she was no longer a victim now she was a victor she was no longer someone who had a tattered past she now had a beautiful future because of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm talking to you this morning. I'm talking about your life. You and I can come to God with the most beat, beat and broken of hearts. You might say, Lord, there's no way to mend this. There's no way to fix this. God says, you leave that to me. Let my grace, which is sufficient, lead you and guide you, and I will restore your heart. I will restore your soul. I will lead you to the place of peace. If there's anybody in here whom Jesus has restored your heart, I want you to just shout a real big amen. Amen. Now you've heard us this morning. You've seen. You've heard there are people in this room who can testify. Jesus mends the broken heart. He say, preacher, is it really possible not to walk around my life with yesterday hanging around my neck? Is it really possible to walk around without having my abuse around my neck? Can I tell you, yes, friend, it's possible, but only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone can mend the broken heart. Scripture says, Jesus said, and he has come to preach the recovery of sight to the blind. Now notice, Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, to the captive, to the brokenhearted, and now he says to the blind. You know, of all the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels, the one we see the most often is the healing of the blind. Why is that? I believe it's because man's problem is blindness. Whether you can see with your physical eyes or not, it's really not the question. It's whether or not you can see with the eyes of the Spirit. The Bible says that without God, we are groping in the dark, trying to find God and being unable to do so. That's the reality of every one of our lives without God. If you put God out of your life, friend, you're going to be living in the dark. If you make career decisions without God, if you choose which school to attend without God, if you decide who you're going to marry without God, you're walking in the dark. You need the light, the light of the gospel, the light of Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God walks with you, He brings that light. He illumines the path and the decisions of your life. Don't make decisions without God. Don't make decisions without the Word of God, without prayer. Let God turn on the lights. I dare say this morning, some of you stumbled blindly into the house of God. You came in groping, looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for a solution. And I tell you, you stumbled into the right place because Jesus is able to restore the eyes of the blind. He is able to give you ability to see, to discern, to understand, to open your eyes in the spirit and recognize that Jesus is in fact the Lord of glory. That he is, in fact, the son of God and that he alone can save. Here's what I want you to know this, this morning, friend, that until you can see that, until you can receive that by faith, you'll walk in darkness. But this morning, if you will lift your eyes to Jesus and if you will allow the light of the gospel to shine upon the darkness of your heart, God will give you the understanding that you need. Some of you are making decisions right now. You need the light of God in your life. You're making decisions right now that are going to impact the rest of your life. Maybe even decisions that will impact your life for all eternity. You need the light of the gospel. You need the light of Christ. And This morning, he says, come to me. I can remove the scales. I can remove the blindness. I can remove... Those things that have caused you to be, that have been obstacles to your ability to see what I want to do in your life. And when Jesus cleanses the eyes of the blind, he gives him a new vision. He lets you see what you can be with him in your life. He lets you see what you can become when he is walking beside you. And this morning, he's still healing the blind. He's still opening the eyes of those who cannot see, that they might see him in all of his glory. And so this ought to be our prayer this morning. Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you in all of your glory. I want to see you manifested in the life of my family. I want to see you in my home. I want to see you in my job. I want to see your hand at work in my life. Jesus closed out his reading by saying this. Not only did he come to recover the sight to the blind, but he came to proclaim the year of God's favor. He came to declare that a season, a new season, had begun, a season of God's favor, a year of opportunity. You know, the year that Jesus was talking about is really not a calendar year of 365 days, but the year that Jesus was talking about was the age of grace, a time period from the cross to the rapture of the church where God has opened a wide door for men and women to come to know Jesus as their Savior. And friend, that day is going to end someday. That day is going to end in which you will no longer have the opportunity to enter in to the year of God's favor. And so you must decide soon, you must decide today that you'll follow Christ, that you'll receive him as your Savior. Because you don't have the guarantee of tomorrow, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. You say, Pastor, I'll do it next week. But the Spirit of God may not call you next week. If he's calling you today, you should answer today. This is the day of decision. This is the moment for you to decide and say yes to God. To say yes to Christ before that year of favor ends. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that right now. God has a wide open door for you. And He says to you, Whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. Male or female, let them come. Rich or poor, let them come. Wise or ignorant, let them come. Let them come with their problems, their baggage, their brokenness, and their shame. And God says, Let them come because there is redemption and there is hope and there is salvation for those who will come, who will answer that invitation in the hour. In which it is extended. But friend, the door is going to close someday. The door may close because of death. Death may come to your life and it will be over. And that door will be shut. You will have no more opportunity. Death may come at the coming of our Lord. or the, the door will shut at the coming of our Lord. The day of judgment will come upon the earth. In which you won't have another opportunity. That's why you must decide soon for Christ. Now the Bible tells us this. And when Jesus had made this declaration, he closed the book. Imagine this. He said these words Today, these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. He was letting them know that what Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years before was about to be fulfilled in their very life, in their very lifetime. Three years later, Jesus would go to the cross. And he would fulfill another prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. The Bible says that on that cross, Jesus suffered for our transgressions. He took the chastising, the punishment of our peace upon himself. And on the cross, Jesus became the sacrifice for your sins and mine. He became the sacrifice for all of humanity's error and shame against God. On that cross, God put your sin and my sin. And your judgment and my judgment and your punishment and my punishment upon Christ. So that whosoever would believe in him, whosoever would look to him, could have good news. And could have a restored heart. And could have their eyes open. They could have freedom in their soul. This morning Jesus is not on a cross, friend. Because he rose from the dead. He rose with power and with great glory. And this morning... He is here by the presence of the Holy Spirit to tell you, I want to set you free. And I want to give you life and restore your heart. I want to open the eyes of the blind. Will you receive the good news of Jesus Christ? It's like this as I close. Sometimes you get a knock on the door or a ring of the doorbell. You open the door, and there's a delivery man there. And he says, I have a package for you, but you have to sign for it. Now, you can say, I don't want to sign for it, and you miss out on that package. Or you can sign for it and receive what's in it. God says, I've prepared a message for you, a package for you, but you have to sign for it. You have to receive it by faith. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved, you'll receive that package, the full package. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't have uh, bronze levels and silver levels and gold levels?
1: That he doesn't have
0: several smaller packages for people who can't afford the big one? No, God has one package for you. It is a full and complete salvation, a full and complete grace. And if you will receive it, you'll sign for it this morning. You can have what he has promised. Would you stand with me, please? I want to make two invitations this morning. The first invitation will be to all of you, our friends this morning, who don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I don't mean you've never been to church. I don't mean you've never been to Sunday school or never sang Amazing Grace. But I mean you've never entered into a personal relationship with God. This morning, that is available to you if you will believe. If you will confess Christ as Lord, He'll make you His child. This very morning, you might say, Pastor, I have a broken heart, I have a broken past, I have a, I have a sinful life, I've made bad decisions. Or you might say, Pastor, I've never done much of anything, but I still don't know Christ. Either way, friend, if you don't know Jesus this morning, he wants you to know him. Not as a painting on a wall. Not as a name of a, of a, uh, that you hear from a preacher, but as your Savior personally. He wants you to know him Indeed, to know him in your heart. This morning, if you'll receive him, if you'll accept the gift that he has provided for you, he'll change your life. Absolutely change your life. You say, Pastor, will he take me? Will he receive me? Friend, the Bible says this, that no one who comes to God will under any circumstances be turned away. If God were to reject people, I wouldn't be able to preach the gospel. But I preach this gospel on six continents. And I have seen people answer to this message on six continents. And God has received every single one that will come. Under no circumstances will He turn you away. And so this morning, if you want Jesus for yourself, you can have Him. You can have Him this morning. He'll come into your life and he'll take control. He'll take the reins and he'll lead your life in the path of blessing. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, please, as I pray. Father, I ask you right now in Jesus' name to bring the conviction of sin and of righteousness and of judgment upon the hearts and lives of every person in this room who has not yet made a commitment to Christ. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to convict them of the truth that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, and that there is hope in Christ. And I ask, Lord, as they come this morning, that you will receive them, and that you will make them new and make them whole. We ask that in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to do something for me. If you say, Pastor, that's me that you're talking about. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. Would you just raise your hand right where you are, if that's you? Anybody in the room that says, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. I want to make a commitment of my life to the Lord. This morning is a morning of decision. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Very well, then I'm going to make the second invitation. And that is to the whole body of Christ, who says, Pastor I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the anointing of God on my life because I want to walk in the freedom that Jesus gave me, and I want to walk in the wholeness of heart that Jesus gave me, and I want to have the discernment that Jesus gave me. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to come out of your pew and just come to this altar and say, Lord, I want more. I need more of you in my life. And if you have a broken heart, bring it to God this morning. If you have fears and anxieties and worries, bring them to God this morning. Just tell him, Lord, I want all that you have for me. Let your spirit fill my life. Let your spirit fill my heart. God, we pray this morning that as Jesus said, so we might also say that the spirit of the Lord God would be upon us. For when the spirit of God is upon us, our broken hearts are mended and our chains fall off. Freedom comes in like a flood. We receive that now in the name of Jesus. We receive that fresh anointing of the Spirit of God. We receive that impartation of your power upon our life this morning. In Jesus' name, just raise your hands to God this morning and receive what he has for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We receive that this morning. Pour out your grace upon your church, oh God. Pour out more grace, more power. Yes, Lord. Let your life shine through.